to another episode of the PK Triathlon Podcast. Uh, a couple of weeks back, we started a little mini-series about swim technique. Uh, in episode one, we discussed things like body position in the water and touched a little bit on leg action, particularly around the feet. In this episode, we're going to build on that, discuss leg action and its functionality before we move on to the catch phase of the arm action of the stroke. Uh, when it comes to the arm action, catch is the best place, I find, is the best place to start. Um, if you get the catch right, you, your arm action has the potential to be awesome, really. So I think we might as well just crack on. Kate, are you ready? Mm, yeah, obviously. Can, can we uh, start by reminding everybody about a good body position and about being relaxed in the water? So we so, want to be up on the water, don't we? Not underneath it. So you want your bum up, your heels up, back of your head out. Yeah, and you want to be horizontal in the water. Here's me doing arm actions on a podcast. But yeah, like, uh, we want to be horizontal on the water, not dragging your legs. So lifting those legs up so they're up on the surface. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like imagining you're in a, in a tube. Like so your legs and your arms are in line with the body. So yeah, you're like swimming you're down like a narrow in, channel or yeah. something. Yeah, so like, inside of a biro. Uh, yes, a big biro. Yeah, body size biro. <laughs> okay, so uh, leg action. Let's move, uh, let's sort of elaborate on that leg action idea. And in swimming, when you kick with a functional leg kick, it's in freestyle, it's legs going up and down and, and kicking from your hips, long legs and, and pointed toes. Now, I'd actually stop there and say, don't point your toes. Relax your feet. Point. Yeah, point your feet, but don't point your toes. And there is a slight difference. So if you point your toes, you sort of clench your toes. And that then causes tension in the bottom of your feet and in your calf muscles. Yeah. And you'll get a lot of swimmers sort of getting cramp in their calf or in the bottom of their foot. So if you just point your feet and keep your toes relaxed, that tends to stop that issue. Yeah, so you're kind of um, plantiflexing your, at your ankles, aren't you? Really? Yeah, you definitely plan to flex. A lot of triathletes, particularly those from a running background, will have dorsiflex, which is where the feet are sort of at 90 degrees to the legs. You actually want to make it like a long flipper, if you like, a long leg, yeah. um, and extending the leg through through your toes or through your feet. Your knees should be loose, though. Flexible knees, so they can flex slightly in the middle, but we don't want them rigid because that's not going to help you swimming. That actually makes it really, really hard. Uh, and there should be a slight bend as you kick up and kick down. Yeah. Um, There's quite a big, you see a lot of people kicking from the knees rather than the hips, don't you? Which, which isn't yes. very efficient. I think a lot of that is driven by overactive use of the hamstrings. So they're, they're trying to bend their leg to kick rather than leaving the leg relatively relaxed and kicking from the glutes and the hips. I think one of the reasons particularly triathletes do this is because they're running and they're cycling and it's, you cycle with a bent knee action and you run with a bent knee as you pull through and you, you, you strike the ground. Um, swimming like that's not efficient. Uh, you need, it uses the, the big muscles. It uses the hamstrings and the quads. You don't need them um, other than pushing off the wall. You don't really need a lot of hamstring work. And that also can, can make you tired, make you out of breath because uh, you're burning that oxygen, but also you're just, you're just working extra hard, dragging that extra body through the water and you don't need to. Yeah. 
So long stretched legs with pointed feet and a slight knee bend as well. Well, if you relax your ankles, then your feet generally come in. With plantar flex ankles. Now it's my turn to do the actions. Ankle flexibility is another big reason why people sort of struggle with that dorsiflex, plantar flex thing. So plantar flex pointing toes like a ballerina or pointing feet like a ballerina. Ankle flexibility is, is huge uh, for, for adults, really. We don't, we're not quite as flexible as we were when we were kids, but also people that come from a run background. And swimming, uh, you don't do much mobility. Tight calves, lots of calf mobility work. Is yeah, but this specifically thinking about the leg action in terms of in the swimming pool and getting people to point their toes or point their feet, as we've just sort of talked about, a lot of the reason that people can't is just because they haven't done that ankle flexibility in the past. Yeah. So um, one good thing that I try and get athletes to do if they've got that issue is to sort of put their legs on the floor and kneel on their ankles, kneel on their heels and just sort of stretch those kneels out, those ankles out so you can get into that position. Um, there's a number of other things you could do. You could write your name at your feet and all those other things for mobility and flexibility. Uh, but it's really important to get those ankles right. Did you have anything else on leg action? I've got one more thing. I've just thought of. So when you kick in freestyle, a lot of, you'll see a lot of people sort of using a really fast leg kick up and down because it propels them through the water. I would actually encourage athletes not to kick too hard in triathlon terms and in terms of their training. As long as their action is functional and does the right thing and provides the right balance for their body, actually kicking too hard is just working too hard. You don't need that propulsion um, in triathlon. Save your legs. You're going to need them for the bike and the run. Uh, the only time I would sort of encourage you to sort of pick your leg kick up would be either at the beginning to get clear water or towards the end of a swim to basically warm your legs up, ready to jump on a bike. Um, and we're only talking about the last couple of hundred meters. Yeah, to essentially get circulation going again and make sure you, the blood's down, back down at your feet, ready for when you try and get out of the water. Yeah, and you, so a leg kick in, in triathlon swimming, for me, it can be anything from sort of legs dragging behind in the right position with a two beat leg kick and then they've got to be in the right place that's the key but you don't have to kick a lot to to do that but it can range all the way through so you'll get athletes training for sprint triathlons or or juniors racing trying to train for junior elite where they will need a little bit more leg kick because they need that extra propulsion but if you're an ironman swimmer i really wouldn't be using my legs a huge amount and of course we um our last podcast was on um, body position. So we had some exercises and some tips and some drills to, to get a good body position um, last week as well, didn't we? And we put those up on the PK Triathlon YouTube page. Uh, and if there's any videos, well, there will be a couple of videos later on to go with this podcast uh, around some exercises that we can do. We'll put those up on the YouTube page. A good leg kick drill last week at our squad session weren't we one one was very much from a body position perspective but it highlighted people whose legs were dipping down or they were bending the knees or the feet were under the water 
Yeah. So there's a few drills you can do, particularly around body position and leg action. First one I would say is kicking on your back, arms extended. I'm desperately trying not to demonstrate this on a on the podcast. Uh, I will put a video up. Um, so yeah, arms extended, and when you're on your back, you've got to push your hips up. And the idea behind this is is your knees should not break the surface, but your toes should, which forces you then not to kick from your knees. If you kick from your knees, what you'll tend to find is you'll never get your feet to the surface, or your knees will come th- crashing through the, the surface of the water. Um, and it'll look like you're trying to ride a bike on your back um, in a swimming pool, which is a little bit weird. Uh, and then there's other exercises you can do. I mean, there's so many different exercises, so many different drills that you can do. I'm a huge advocate of drills, but one thing we do is, is six, three, six drill, which is quite a complex drill, but you do six kicks on your side with your face in the water, three good strokes, six kicks, three good strokes, six kicks. And that forces you to breathe both sides. It forces balance of the stroke, but it also forces you to engage your core. Uh, and then the other one that I quite like using for body position and leg action is actually a skull drill. Um, and some people will do this with, uh, with a pool boy, but actually if you do your leg kick properly, but not enthusiastically, as in you're not looking for loads and loads of splash, it's not a, not, not, not a kicking exercise. It's about lifting the legs up and having them in the right position, engaging the glutes, as Kate likes to say, squeezing your ass together and squeeze your ass and lift your legs. So we move on to the catch. Candy? So the catch is going to develop probably about 90% of your propulsion. It's, it's a huge number. It's, if you get that right, you're just going to fly through the water. Um, but so many athletes think, I've got to get the biggest arm pull I can possibly get. So I'm going to go back just a fraction from um, where you, you, the catch phase and actually sort of go hand entry and just to sort of demonstrate it. If you put your other one arm out in front of you at 90 degrees to your body and the other hand imagining it's going to go into the water and you can actually, I'm talking you through this. Uh, so you can imagine that your hand is going to go into the water somewhere between your elbow of the extended arm and the wrist. If it's in front of the elbow, it's going to take your goggles off. So it's too short. If it's beyond the wrist, then you're massively overreaching and run a risk of sort of crossing over that center line. So if you can get your hand to go in somewhere between your elbow and your wrist, and everybody's different. Every, it will go in somewhere between there. It doesn't need to be more specific than that. Um, and then you drive your hand into the water at an angle about 30 degrees. So you're going down and in. Don't go forward and flat because unless you've got shoulders like Ian Thorpe or Michael Phelps, you'll never get back on top of the stroke. And what will happen is you'll drop your elbow and your catch will be like a piece of overcooked spaghetti. And that's something that we used to get taught about comes actually from body rotation, doesn't it? It does. And we'll do that in another podcast a bit, yeah. a bit later. So yeah, so the extension comes in, but it goes down. I mean, when your hand goes in, it should go in angle th- about 30 degrees down and straight down into the water. And it's to almost straight. It's to almost straight. And then what you're going to do is you're actually going to keep your, when your hand goes into the water, your fingers should be below your wrist. Your wrist should be below your elbow and your elbow should be below your shoulder. And that should remain all the way through your catch and drive phase of the stroke. If at any point 
any of those links, so fingers below wrist, wrist below your elbow, elbow below your shoulder, is wrong, you are doing something wrong and you need to get it looked at. Because the easiest thing for human beings to do is to put their arm into the water and sort of get a catch and then just drop the elbow and pull the hand back mm. because it's easy. And you see that a lot, don't you? You see, you see that the elbow goes and you can fit because you can feel the water on your forearm and your hand and you get it and then you get tired and that elbow drops and then you kind of float around here as it happened to me. You've just mentioned you can feel it on your forearm and yeah. your hand. I mean, that's why wetsuits have got this super grippy material down the forearm. It's so you can get more purchase on the water and actually have a bigger paddle as you're swimming. So your hand is your paddle, but then it becomes your forearm as part of your paddle as well. Big thing I don't want to see is overextension. The other thing as well is, is making sure your hand goes down into the water. And then thinking that this is the catch phase, we just need to think about some drills and stuff that we can do to really help this. So we talked about the skull drill. Um, and that video will be on the, the YouTube page. Uh, the skull drill is, is all about the catch and it's about getting your arms into the right place so that you feel the water. So once your hands into the water and you've got that elbow bent and you're ready to push the water back, that's where the skull drill it teaches your arm to be in that position. Uh, but like, I guess it, it, if you want to say it, it's muscle memory type idea. Another one that you can do is doggy paddle. I love doggy paddle. It's got so many different variations. Um, but if you can use it to get your hand into that catch position and then drive the water back and your hand never gets extended uh, beyond the catch position if you're doing the doggy paddle correctly. There are videos that I will pop up. I've got some up demonstrations of the drills that I can put on the YouTube page so people can find them. So we've talked about skull, which is definitely one with doggy paddle, 636, uh, kicking on your back. Yeah. I don't think there is a demonstration of that one, to be honest. Maybe I'll get one on Saturday um, in the pool. I need a decent model. Obviously not me then. I'm all right, that one, actually. Maybe I need maybe I need the two extremes. I need, need two people. One that's doing it correctly, and then someone who's not doing it correctly to show the difference. That shouldn't be too hard. There's a few things people can do on dry land, so I'm sort of conscious that COVID's still around. Uh, some people can swim, some people can't swim. Uh, some people can't swim as much as they'd like. So there's, there's some exercises that people could do to help their swimming. Um, there's some strength and conditioning exercises, which Kate can talk us through in just a second. Uh, but there's also some technique exercises which can be done with something as simple as an old inner tube or a, a band or um, stretch cords anything like that. And that's all about technique and making sure your arms in the right place. And actually just being aware of what your hand's doing when you're getting into that catch position. If you can't see your hand when your head's in the water at catch, it's in the wrong place or your head's incredibly in the wrong place. Mm. Mm. Or your goggles are steamed up. No? Uh, if you can't see your hand through some steamed up goggles, I think <laughs> we've got some other issues uh, that may have to go on a different podcast. <laughs> I think I used that poor joke on the last podcast as well. You didn't laugh then either. Oh dear. I'm All right, so let's do some strength and conditioning exercises that we can do to improve both the leg action and the catch phase of the stroke. The videos that we did last time 
are all good for body position and glute activation. So those do apply from a leg action perspective because if your glutes not working as effectively as they could, then your leg position is not going to be, um, your leg position is not going to be right. So all those continue to tick the box. So this time I've just added one more, although we might have a discussion now about um, ankle mobility. So the one that I would suggest people worked on at the moment following on is um, resisted hip extension. So it's a really an all body exercise. Um, it's very much around glute activation and body position and balance. So it means that you're having to hold your trunk in a good position as you're standing and extending your leg behind you. The leg remains straight and the glutes are pretty much doing all the work. Now you can do it obviously without any band or theraband or mini band, um, but you can equally do it once you've got the movement, you can do it with, with a little bit of resistance. So you can then control the return, so you're getting a little bit of work for the hip flexors as well as the hip extensors. So what we'll have to do, we'll have to get a video of that one done, Kate. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to do a video for all of these. Yeah. And then the other three exercises really focus on kind of control element of the posterior cuff by and large and back muscles. So we've got an exercise that we call the IYTWI and that um puts you into a lovely body position again because you're activating the muscles around your back so the rotator cuff which um, helps to support the work of the, the, the shoulder is doing um, we did that one last time as well we used we? that one for body position yeah and there's a video of that one already up. there's also a nice one again it's around control of the rotator cuff um, where you do in standing with either a TheraBand or a, a light weight and um, we're moving the shoulder internally and externally out at 90 degrees. And, and that, I guess, mimics a little bit more in terms of the, the actual swim position, but we're not necessarily looking to get into a swim position to, to perform these exercises. That's not our aim. And then the other one would be um, a pull down so or a, an arm lower so depending on what stage you're at again it's all body so you're making sure that you're activating your back and your trunk and then you're creating some strength through the movement by moving a weight and again depending on the aim of the game whether you're doing it from a control perspective um, or a strength or power building will depend on your tempo and the weight that you're lifting. Well, yeah, and the resistance you're using, isn't it? So, yeah. um, but I think everybody should be, I think really with sort of encouraging everybody to use it as a control Absolutely. thing at this stage, because they're going to get their strength and their stuff. Yeah, we can give them all the strength and conditioning exercises in the world, but if they don't get in the water at some point and do some swimming, one of the big mistakes that a lot of triathletes particularly, but also master swimmers or even people just swimming to keep fit make is just getting in and swimming length after length after length for no 
with no sort of th- thought process on their technique and they're just sort of thrashing up and down do some really weird strokes absolutely and, and also you know if if you don't if you don't have the control you'll fatigue a lot quicker even with even with the strength um, of the bigger muscles you'll fatigue and actually you want those little muscles to work under low load for a long time so that control element is really important next podcast we'll do we'll sort of go through the push phase and start to engage the core um, as we swim because the, the, the core and the trunk control the stroke a lot of people think that their arms control the stroke but it doesn't no the trunk the trunk hips glutes tummy hips back. glutes they've got to think with their hips what's that strong. one about the canoe you can't fire a cannon from a canoe Uh, I hope you found this useful today and we will come up with the next episode in the next week or so. We'll put this up and links to the videos. Catch you next time. (laughs) 